You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I am so pleased today to welcome back Dr. Cami Benton, MD. Our topic today is going to be the influenza vaccine, and I, for one, am really looking forward to some new information, because I have to say, I honestly don't know that much about it, as I've never felt inspired to get it, so I've never really researched it. But we're going to talk about that today, and I'd also like to get Cammie's update. Now, we talked, um, let's see, it was the third week in May, and um, get her just her update uh, of what her experience has been since then with this COVID situation. Um, hi, Cami. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> so um, maybe just give a little bit about yourself for people who didn't hear our last conversation, just, a, you know, your little summary about who you are. Well, I am a family physician in North Carolina, and I do integrative medicine, and that was inspired by my journey in medicine where I felt there were a lot of dead ends and um, a lot of dismissal of patients' concerns because we didn't have the tools to manage. So I, I, I realized there's a whole other world of medicine out there, and I wanted to be able to help my patients more. So I studied that, and I got further into this because of my own experiences with the flu vaccine and uh, my children having a vaccine reaction. So I had to kind of dig in and learn more about vaccines and what I had actually uh, been taught in medical school, which is very little, uh, because I had to figure out what was right for my kids, what was really the risk versus benefit, and my children who had already had significant vaccine reactions. So I had started down this journey and um, became... Um, I guess you would call an activist, uh, but more activist uh, for health choice and really true informed consent, uh, regardless of which way you choose. I'm not trying to dismantle anything. I'm trying to dismantle some things, but not like what uh, some people might think it is. It's more of the um, having true uh, informed consent. So I'm on the board. I'm a founding board member for Physicians for Informed Consent out mm-hmm. of California. Mm-hmm. And welcome all kinds of members, whether you're doctorate members or support members, because we are um, we are trying to help uh, the legal cases for people's rights for informed consent and also creating education pieces uh, for various vaccines, uh, various illnesses, so that way people can have a different perspective of it mm-hmm. um, based on science. And so that is my goal, is that people can make truly an informed con- decision and especially in light of this year with COVID, an informed decision that is not coerced, that is truly uh, balanced on both sides and not just one-sided. So that is sort of my goal in life, is, and plus to protect my children from uh, vaccine mandates, obviously. Right. So, Cammie, I just, a question just occurred to me. Do you, do you find that most of the people, and, and I would assume the answer is yes, but I, I want your perspective here. Most of the people who question vaccine safety, are they people who have either had an issue or know someone who's had an issue with them? Yes, I would say the majority are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, like, the other part of my population of patients that don't get vaccinated at all, they're just natural living. They've lived off the land. They homeschool. They have farms. They they kind of live in their own little, like, mini universe, it feels like. And, and they tend to be honestly so healthy. The kids are outside playing in the dirt and getting sunshine and 
whole foods and they are my healthiest population. So I do have that part of the population, but the rest of them typically are people who um, have had either a cousin or a sibling or a child or something like that that has had significant vaccine reactions that then they were forced to do some more studying and evaluation of what the uh, word of the day is on vaccines Mm -hmm. over the decade. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I was just thinking there's so many topics in life that people are willing to question. And why aren't more people who haven't had an incident, uh, you know, uh, an adverse reaction in their family or, or their friends, why aren't they willing to question? It, because it's unsafe to question, and, and it has more than been proven recently. So let's even go beyond this year. This year is clear. There's full-on censorship and attack of anyone who questions anything. But this has been growing for decades. I feel like we've had the mantra of this is safe and effective, and anyone who questions it must be an, a dangerous anti-vaxxer. And they have elevated the level of propaganda against anyone who questions it to you know, the World Health Organization posted that anti-vaxxers were the top 10 global threat in the world. I mean, oh, sex trafficking, forget about like slavery, forgive, you know, forget about poverty, famine, you know, wars is anti-vaxxers that oh make it right? So that's part of it. And they're literally declaring a war on anyone who questions it. Doctors, if they question it, then suddenly they lose all respect and they are called quacks. And we are, by nature, as doctors, we are A students. We're, we're the good students. We, they call us gunners. We, we want to be the best. And so they train us from the very beginning. Don't be like those quacks. You don't want to be a quack. right? So if they can automatically a- associate anyone who questions vaccines to be a quack, then that is natural, subconscious um, <clears throat> coercion from being able to question things. right? So, And... And as we've gotten to closer and closer to this day and age, it's gotten more vicious. And suddenly in the last five years, since 2015, there has been an, an outward, like the, peop- the doctors fire patients, where it used to be, well, let's bring in these people and let's try to talk them into some vaccines. Now they're just dismissing them and refuse any medical care to patients who are not vac- fully up to date on their vaccines. And I mean, they could be partially vaccinated and they'll still get harassed at ERs, they'll get harassed in the hospital. And so there's a lot of reason to not want to question. There was actually um, a doctor I just saw in Canada. He was a surgeon, had lots of leadership positions, came out against the COVID vaccine and he got fired. They, they got rid of all of his titles. I know um, mm-hmm. a wonderful senior um, physician at a, a college at the University of West Virginia who came out finally, he said, y'all, there's problems here. I have problems. And he was like the director of ethics. He was like, all they had all these titles and he had, he had had tenure. So he came out when he was close to 60, had a long, well-decorated career at this university, only to lose all of his titles. He, he, they couldn't fire him due to tenure. And that was it. They, he was stripped of everything. People started talking, talk, talking around him instead of to him. And all he did was pro- provide studies. He's very evidence-based. He provided studies and he was stripped of everything he had. So there is full incentive for doctors to not come forward. Um, So there's an underground. I know so many doctors who are terrified. They'll come to me. They'll talk to me, private messaging through Telegram or Signal or things like that. 
but then they're they're given vaccines at their job because they're like they might be a single parent they might be the primary breadwinner and they're like i don't know where to go like in this kind of setting where corporations own most doctors you know what are they supposed to do they're going to lose their job if they question things if they question even just the flu if you question just the flu vaccine or you just question the gardasil which of all the, the, the typical vaccines, those are the most egregious, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but even those, if you question it, then you must be a dangerous anti-vaxxer. It's propaganda. It's absolute propaganda. And we have, and that's how they've been so successful at this COVID vaccine, because they have been trained this mantra, safe and effective, safe and effective. Don't be a, a dangerous anti-vaxxer. Safe and effective. Ignore bears. Ignore bears. The vaccine adverse event reporting system. It's all like just made up stuff to scare you away by anti-vaxxers. So they've done such a good job. So now even people who were worried about the COVID vaccine, they had questions about it. They're like, I have no choice but to get it. And they told them, you're going to lose your right to travel. You're going to lose your right to work. So they're like, okay, I guess I have to get it. Even though there's no laws, there's nothing here to like make them take it. They're just rolling over and taking it. Well, it must be safe and effective. So now even now that I'm hearing all these doctors, they're telling me, I saw this reaction and all the doctors refused to say it was the vaccine. Um, I have a nurse, she's um, works at a critical critical care unit at a local prominent hospital. Mm-hmm. And she said, in a given time, half of her patients on the cardiac critical care unit are within 24 hours of their vaccine and were oh. found down or with arrhythmia. Um, and the doctors get mad at her when she brings up the vaccine. Another doctor, she teaches residents, and she said the residents are noticing, oh, there's all these weird cases of arrhythmia and heart issues and heart attacks. We've never seen so many. What do you think that is? And she says, oh, let's get a history. And she knows. So she's using her position of power to um, say, did they get the vaccine? Oh, they got the vaccine within the last couple weeks? Oh, let's just put that on the chart, hoping she can actually get the residents to think about these connections, um, but they aren't. There was um, this one, are you familiar with Thuja? It's a homeopathic yes. remedy for vaccine injury. So um, this same doctor, she told her patient who wanted the COVID vaccine, she's like, fine, take it. Here's your Thuja, here's your, you know, your other remedies uh, to help you support your immune system. By the next day, she's in the hospital with abdominal pain and her liver function tests were really high and they blamed it on the homeopathic, not the vaccine that she had the day before. <laughs> Um, there was a, one of my friends, she's a a prominent doctor in town and her children's dance teacher got the vaccine within a month was in the hospital with diffuse, uh, blood clots Mm. and quote internal bleeding. I really don't know the detail of that part, but this was from a physician, but they blamed on her birth control pills. She had been on for like 10 years or whatever, but would not have anything to do with the fact that she recently got the Johnson Johnson vaccine in spite of the fact that there's reports of blood clots widespread. So, I mean, these are just the, t- the off the top of my head stories I'm hearing about wow. doctors like refusing to see the connections to serious, serious adverse reactions and death. And so then when you look at VAERS, we're up to over 9,000 deaths now reported. And per the CDC, FDA, and Harvard study, mm-hmm. and that's like all a bunch of mixed studies in there, that they they say only about one to ten percent of adverse events are even reported to bears. Right. So if nine thousand, there are nine thousand reports. Now it doesn't mean all nine thousand are definitely due to the vaccine. It doesn't. 
And BEARS, just so you know, was intended, it was created after the 1986 law was made to give full immunity to vaccine makers. Like, you cannot sue vaccine makers, even if there's an error. And there was even a second um, big Supreme Court case about there was an error in production, and they still were given full immunity, right? So they're so disgusting. I From a public health perspective, they said, is to because they were losing the incentive to provide vaccines on a population basis because they were losing too much money due to lawsuits, due to injury, right? So Mm -hmm. because vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, that was in the Supreme Court document, um, they created this law, the Vaccine um, Injury Act, the National Vaccine Injury Act. Um, So they created VAERS as a place that you can report adverse reactions, uh, whether it be the doctor or the patient. So that way the patient didn't have to depend on the doctor report it. And trends of adverse reactions. So maybe an isolated this or that may or may not be related. But if you're seeing trends of liver failure or trends of deaths or trends of whatever, they can actually pick up on it. But I'm shocked because 9,000 people don't seem to be a trend. It seems to be all called it a lie. I think they stopped um, the swine flu vaccine back in the 1970s due to only like 50 cases of deaths, right? right. Yep. And, and it weren't, there were 2,000, 2,000 of the 2,000 of those 9,000 deaths were just in one week. Oh yeah. It was recent, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. So anyway, so they were willing to stop the whole swine flu and I could be wrong on the number. It's like under 50, it might've been 22, but it's definitely under 50 deaths that they stopped the entire swine flu vaccine for that. But we have 9,000 deaths reported. And if you look at VAERS on Google, it is already, they are preparing you to not believe in the results. Like it is already propaganda to say, you can't believe these results. These are unreliable. Like someone reported they turned into the Incredible Hulk. And so anyone, as, as if we're all sitting around as Americans, let me have nothing else better to do with my time to, but to do a VAERS report. But I can tell you, doctors who I know who have tried to report to VAERS, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll try two and three times and they can't get it to accept it. It's a lot of work. Right. That's what I've heard. The VAERS reports to be accepted. And um, and they're going through already and taking some out. I guess they are. I've heard that they are investigating some of it. I actually had a nurse practitioner friend who um, was called by the CDC about her VAERS report. So they are investigating it, which I was kind of pleased to see, mm-hmm. removing cases out of it. But we still have 9,000 cases of deaths reported. And yet crickets on the, that. And all I keep hearing is like only the unvaccinated are actually being hospitalized and dying. With, in other countries like the UK and the Israel is actually showing the opposite, that the vaccinated are more likely to be hospitalized. Right. So imagine here we have like this magical data that 99 point something percent are, of the people being hospitalized now are only unvaccinated. And so you're like, what to make of that? But even then, I would argue that, it, okay, fine, let's say 99% of the people that are being hospitalized are unvaccinated. Number one, it's their choice they made. But two, and, and, the, and the goal when we went into this was just to make sure the hospitals were not overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. that we also have treatment available. We have ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available, which is absolutely still like Oh, man, it's amazing the projects behind that because we have there's a meta-analysis with over 60 studies showing benefit with ivermectin, yet doctors still refuse to to prescribe it. But if we were allowed to prescribe it and we were allowed to actually support the immune system without being scrutinized, 
how many more people can we save? But we have proven, we have proven, this whole thing has proven that we, it is not about saving people. This is about selling a product, an immune, a liability free product, because if we really cared about saving people, we would be prescribing ivermectin left and right because it is a medicine that's been found safe for decades. Hydroxychloroquine has been used safely for 65 years. And that one has plenty of studies that shows use in early uh, treatment for COVID. Mm-hmm. Ivermectin has um, great studies for early treatment, late treatment, and prevention. Mm-hmm. And the meta-analysis shows this. So, But yet when I show this study to a friend of mine, I would say a friend who I've been friends with for 20 years. He's a prominent higher up at a university system in Maryland. And I won't say which one because I still <laughs> love him, but I think he's been affected by his PTSD from his experience from COVID. Um, because when I show him that meta-analysis, he gets angry. I showed him a meta-analysis that shows benefits. So for me, if you really care about people, about saving lives, wouldn't we be excited about things to support the immune system and to save people? You would think. You get, they get angry. And so an interesting thing, and I might have told you this the last time, but I work for um, additionally a telemedicine company, and mm-hmm. I won't say the name because mm-hmm. I, I, I have contracted six months more, so I don't want to necessarily get fired from it yet. Um, but I was prescribing, this is back in October, I was prescribing hydroxychloroquine and, uh, to a patient her mother also had COVID, so she called back to get on the schedule, but got another doctor. So we are part, in this telemedicine company, there's a physician chat room, which is kind of cool because you get to discuss cases and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, there's this, this doctor. It's like, oh, no, there's a doctor in our midst prescribing hydroxychloroquine. What an embarrassment. The next thing you know, all these other doctors start chiming in. This is a, an atrocity. This is an embarrassment. How could one of us be... Uh, so on the fringe that they would prescribe something so dangerous as hydroxychloroquine. Well, a quick aside from that, hydroxychloroquine, even if you look on the CDC website now, it's so dangerous that they list no risks, except if you've been on it for five years to get an eye exam. So, (laughs) So the rheumatologists don't even do a baseline EKG before they prescribe it. And they prescribed it for literally decades. But anyway, so two days later, I get an email from the director of this company saying that prescribing hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin is now against that policy of that company. And uh, we're to no longer prescribe it. Now, of course I continue to prescribe it because I answered to God at the end of the night and they can fire me over it. Honestly, they can like it's, it's um, it, we, most medicines we use already is off label. So that in and of itself is not an issue. Mm-hmm. This medicine has been proven safe for decades mm-hmm. and there are positive studies. So I'd love for them to do this, try to fire me because then I'll get a severance package out of them and I'll make some money without working, which would be great. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I'm fine with that. So, um, but it's pretty amazing that still to this day, in spite of the meta-analysis out, in spite of all the studies, I still see the same doctors making fun. They make fun of patients calling in for treatment for COVID. So here patients have been, torture for the last year and a half. You're going to die if you get COVID. But then doctors are literally laughing at them, making fun of them, desperately looking for some kind of treatment that they're, they're calling in for COVID, uh, the COVID treatments like the ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or zithromycin. They're laughing at them. And then they're already saying, just, I literally saw today, they're saying how people with the Delta variant are super mild. Like first we're supposed to be fearful of the Delta variant, but it turns out the Delta variant is like so 
less dangerous than the rest of them, that the hospitalizations are plummeting in spite of the rise of uh, the Delta variant, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there watching them say, oh, it's just such a mild case. And guess what? They turn up positive. So we have to test all those that are unvaccinated. So of course I'm sitting there like, I, I push them like, well, I've actually had a fair amount of positive people who were vaccinated. Shouldn't we be testing everyone still until we really know more data? So when they say that the cases are going down for COVID in the um, vaccinated, it's because they're also not testing it. And that doesn't even account for the whole PCR change, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think we covered that on the last yeah. thing, but um, they changed the criteria for those who don't know. Um, I'll try to make that one quick. So PCR testing that is based on cyclotines and, and, and you go on the number of cyclotines to determine when it's positive or negative. So they, um, the CDC recommends cycle times of 28 to 30 to be sort of the sweet spot so you can avoid too many false positives or too many false negatives. So the CDC says on their website to not go over 33 cycle times because anything over that is likely to be a false positive because it just detects fragments of any coronavirus. And there are thousands and thousands of coronaviruses. So our PCR testing has been set at 37 to 40 this whole year until after the vaccines were widely distributed. And now the they've lowered the cycle times down to 28. That automatically gets rid of a massive portion of people that are testing positive. Mm -hmm. They are also, we're telling everyone to get tested before. Now right. they're telling people only get tested if you have symptoms. Mm -hmm. That gets rid of a whole portion of the asymptomatic people. Mm -hmm. Now, then you see this, this example today in, in my telemedicine job, Oh, no, only test the unvaccinated. There's no need to test the vaccinated. So, <laughs> uh, because it's so safe and effective, 100% effective, we don't have to worry about vaccinated at all, right? So, even though it's not been proven to decrease transmission rate, you can still get infected. It theoretically just decreases the severity. Right. But here we are, doctors, very smart doctors at top 50 schools are promoting that if you've been vaccinated, you don't need to be tested. So, of course, dramatically, the cases are going to go down. This is called bias. And this so statistics is ending our pandemic, not the vaccines, because at this point, only about half the population has been vaccinated. But even as of like February, there's a 77% decrease in cases with only 10% of the population being vaccinated. So that is not due to the vaccines. Right. So okay, okay. I'm going to jump in here and be really conspiracy because... Here's what comes, comes to me when you say that. So if the vaccinated don't need to be tested, and if they're using that effing swab shoved way up your nose, almost into your brain, um, those swabs, they've been tested, they have graphene oxide in them. And so the, vac the vaccinated don't need the graphene oxide because all of the vaccines have graphene oxide in them. And I was watching a show uh, Dr. Jane Ruby was saying that uh, one vial, it was a Pfizer vial, it, the chain of uh, custody was all, you know, perfect. They had all of the information and there was 99% graphene oxide in that vial. Wow. And graphene oxide is super dangerous. And graph, there's graphene oxide in, in the masks, in those paper blue, blue, you know, blue one side, white on the other side. There's graphene oxide in those. There's graphene oxide in those swabs. Um, and, you know, I don't, my understanding is that it doesn't last 
maybe like a few months or so, and it it, it gradually uh, you you know your body tries to get rid of it, but that's. To, and, and I know this sounds conspiracy, but I don't care. I've done so much research um, that because I've been saying for a long time, they're going to want to do boosters every three months. Right. And um, and and that's to keep pumping the graphene oxide in. And um, everybody should research graphene oxide. It's terrible. And um, it's causing I think that's one of the reasons if maybe even the main reason that's causing all of these adverse effects. Well, we're also seeing that the spike protein, it was in a normal vaccine, when you inject a vaccine, the antigen stays in the muscle site and your body creates an antibody, mm-hmm. but then the antibody goes over the whole body and, and has its response, right? That's the, yep. sort of the sort of the typical thing. The spike protein, apparently, they did a study in Japan last year um, showing a, the, the bio, what's it called? Um, I'm blanking on the name, basically where, where it goes in the body. Like, mm-hmm. and they found the spike protein was going everywhere, including crossing the blood brain barrier, Right, but was the highest rate in ovaries. Now the FDA knew about it and they're like, well, you know, the spike protein is not dangerous. So we're not worried about it. Um, but yet there's proof that the spike protein is actually really going over the whole body. So, right. so then you're like, okay, if it's going over the whole body, is it shedding? Now, there's no truly shedding. It should be in a live viral thing. And the Johnson Johnson has the adenovirus, which is the, not the coronavirus. The coronavirus part is not live, but the adenovirus part is. So is there shedding? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's no mechanism truly for shedding of the spike protein that we know of. But you're hearing all this anecdotal like, stories across the country. And I've experienced and I had a friend of mine who's an attending at a residency program. She experienced it where she had exposure to all the residents freshly vaccinated and she went home with a horrible headache and had like a huge long crazy period and she had never had a period out of order in her life mm-hmm. and until like that next day and I hear stories like that all the time mm-hmm. so is that so the spike protein itself is that what's causing that or is that still what you're, you're I'm not as familiar with what you read about I've read about it I've kind of read about but I'm not an expert of what that means um, but the spike protein seems to be more dangerous than what is reported or something in it, whatever it is. There's something in it that's affecting other people that are not vaccinated around those who've been vaccinated. Right, right. And um, I think according to Pfizer's own data, um, at 48 hours, you're right, the, the highest concentrations in the ovaries and the second highest concentration is in the bone marrow. I saw the chart of that. Which is where the aplastic anemia is. You're getting all these people. Yes, yes. Like, like counts and aplastic anemias. Yes. Mm-hmm. And on autopsy, they have found it in every organ of the body, including the brain. Right. So, exactly. So, I find that super concerning. Um, so, that's kind of where, we, like, right now, you know, and we kind of talked about this before we went live. And I think, because then I would like to get the flu vaccine. I only mm-hmm. have, like, till six, uh, one, like, 35 more minutes. So, I want to get to the flu vaccine mm-hmm. stuff. But the... um. What we're going to have to remember is that, you know, and I've struggled with this because I'm kind of this fiery personality, like um, an activist. I'm, I'm a peacemaker, <laughs> just so you know. I'm actually really, by, by nature, a hippie peacemaker. I love love and joy and peace. But this is super important and, and is important to me for the sake of my children. I'm fighting for the rights of my children to have a life that they mm-hmm. can navigate when they have not done well with vaccines in the past. 
that they can have the right to drive or right to go to school or right to exist in a society in a supposed to be free society. So I'm fighting for my girls. So this is why I tend to get fiery, but we can't mm-hmm. lose who we are. And in these moments, we're going to have to find our peace and our grounding. And, and my goal is just to try to offer informed consent, not stop people from getting vaccinated necessarily. Although this one, I would rather people really question this one. Um, but if they fully feel like they have truly informed consent and they're happy about it, they've heard both sides and I support their right to get vaccinated, whatever, you know, but you know, I, I think we just have to be careful and not lose ourselves and who we are and still mm-hmm. operate out of love because it's going to be the love frequency that wins in the end and mm-hmm. we and not the fear frequency. Most, so many people are operating out of fear and even right. on both sides. I'm talking about we have a lot of fear on our side for losing our rights and for losing mm-hmm. our uh, option to not be vaccinated and still uh, have a living for our families and still pay for food on the table. Right. So there's a lot of fear on the other side. We got to get, we're all going to die and I can't leave the house unless I get vaccinated. And even then I'm going to wear a face mask and make you wear a face mask because I'm still scared of dying. You know, there's fear on all sides, but fear gets us nowhere. Right. And, right. but we do have information on our side. We do have studies on our side that if we can actually take the opportunity to collect this stuff and share with pastors share with teachers and principals and people that we do love. And I do recommend that if you say to, to save yourself a headache, Hey, are you interested in some different information that you might be able to, uh, be healthier with? And they're like, Oh, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. It's like, well, I have data to support it. If you're interested, I'd love to share it with you. And if they still don't want to hear it, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Save yep. energy for those who are like, really, there's another way. I didn't know this treatment. Oh, well, let me show you the meta-analysis with ivermectin that shows that we can actually potentially save you from dying um, mm-hmm. or, or decrease the severity of illness. And I'm happy to share this with you. You know, this way you can share with joy and love and hopefully those people, the, the then we have to make our ripples in that way. So I'm yeah. giving that piece of advice because I, I find myself at moments losing that grounding and why mm-hmm. I'm really doing this. And I, instead of me sharing out of love, I share of being pissed off. I'm so pissed off and and I'm so incredulous. How can these people not see it? How can they be so blind? And with all this information, and then I have to remind myself and remind others that we are being algorithmed. Yes. And so truly the people who I know who really believe in this, they've gotten one whole set of information and we've locked people down for a year and a half in front of a TV, listening 24 seven to fear mongering and propaganda and that's all they've heard. Yes. Yep. I agree. So, so before we go on to the influenza, just uh, there's a couple of things. One is the the whole idea of being angry because I've always considered myself like you to be, you know, a happy person, joyful. Um, I mean, people are always been commenting about sort of my childlike, you know, innocence and and my ability to be joyful. And this has brought about a side of me that I'm constantly like, I'm good at standing outside of myself and watching myself and going, wow, this anger is incredible. Right. I'm so pissed off about this. Me too. I, I just, I can't believe how angry I get. And, um, 
you know, before we started the recording, we were talking about this, and and I think you're I, I think you're right about we have to be so careful about taking care of ourselves because we're not going to be of any help to anybody. And so when we get off with this, I know someone who's a really awesome Reiki practitioner, Good. and I've had a couple of sessions with her, and I have to say, when I'm done, I really do feel different in a very, very good way. So I am going to make an appointment. And the other thing is about ivermectin, because I know it can be really hard to get. And I got uh, liquid ivermectin from my local farm garden store. They were, they ordered it. And um, according to our mutual, uh, well, my friend, your mutual friend acquaintance from functional medicine, she said that, um, she felt it was actually better because it's it's pure. It's just the pure liquid and the tablets have a lot of other stuff in it. So so if you want to get it and have it on hand, I just keep it in the fridge. Um, I'm assuming that's a good place to keep it. I would. You can you try try your uh, farm store and um, you can probably get it. Because I tried a naturopath up here and she said, oh, you know, if you don't have parasites, I can't prescribe it. Oh my God. But I'm good at I'm good at the workaround. So <laughs> they have actually put like um, sort of bounties on doctors for prescribing it, and the CVS pharmacy I know nationally has like declared they won't prescribe. It. Although I found some pharmacies, thank God there's some rational pharmacists out there. Um, but you can check out the flccc.net, the Frontline mm-hmm. COVID nineteen Critical Care Alliance group, and they have doctors who will prescribe. And there's also the America's Frontline Doctors that will prescribe too. Um, and there's also myfreedoctor.com um, that's doing it for free. But you, those are diff- there are different ways to do that. You just have to, on those sites, you have to be aware, though, that it has, that doctor has to have a license in your state to, to be able to prescribe. But I've been prescribing, um, and I've had some pharmacists turn it down. I'm like, well, you're responsible if they die, not me, um, because I tried. But then, of course, I switched to another pharmacy and um, right. get it filled. Again, I've never, never, in, I've been a physician for 21 years, never been told I can't prescribe a medicine ever. Like, <laughs> especially when they're this, this safe, it's this safe. You've got, you've got a pandemic where supposedly everyone's going to die and you have a safe medicine that may or may not work. Let's, okay, let's say you don't believe strongly in the data. Let's say, let's ignore these 60 plus studies that show overwhelming positive benefit in death, you know, prevention of death. Or the vitamin D study that shows prevention in death, you know, you would think that they would be, okay, let's welcome an opportunity to save these lives. But that is not the case again. So that's where I bring it around. This is not about preventing people from dying. This is not. If this were about people from dying, they would be welcoming the integrative methods and people using repurposed drugs that are so available. Like, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is 70% reduction in death. This is amazing. And you don't have to have the same level of study requirement for an old drug that you do a new drug because the new drug has to be tested for so many more years to look for safety. You mm-hmm. can you can eliminate that for old drugs and you can go on smaller studies and you can keep on trying to get bigger and bigger studies. But when you've got a pandemic where everyone's dropping like flies, like it, they were like last March and April, mm-hmm. then you'd be like, if you've got a, a drug that's, like been around forever that's safe and it might help. And this anecdotal evidence around the world, you use it. That's the Hippocratic right. oath is to use it. To me, doctors have failed 
miserably at this Hippocratic Oath. Doctors are now refusing patients to, to see them if they haven't been recently vaccinated for a flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine. Doctors are turning people away with simple sinus infections, cold, cough. They refuse to see them because they don't want to get sick. I've seen, doc- because I see patients from all over, I have seen patients come to me late in the illness on oxygen. The, the doctor actually was at least kind enough to prescribe them oxygen, but they would not even give them a nebulizer, like an albuterol nebulizer to breathe. Wow. So they were coming to me already short of breath on oxygen. And the doctor said, take Tylenol until you can't breathe enough to walk to your bathroom, then go to the ER. And that is the treatment that they are receiving across this country. And we wonder why the death rate is what it is. Doctors, pure negligence, because they've been told if you treat for COVID, then you are practicing outside of the standards of care. The only thing that you can be treated is the vaccine or remdesivir, which is a $3,000 treatment for in the hospital. Anything and which else, I heard doesn't work anyway. It doesn't even work anyway. It's like even the WHO finally took it off, right? So those are the only things. If you practice outside of that in the United States, then you are practicing outside of the standard of care and you are considered a quack and we should consider reporting you to the medical board. That is where proof to me that this is not about saving lives. Right. And that's criminal. That's It's, it's just outstanding. And, and, you know, everybody... Take some time to think about this. Why are we here? What's going on? Because this is moving us into a totalitarian dictatorship of some sort. And I sent out an email that I imagine most people just threw it in the trash. But I really said this is not about a virus. This is about depopulation. And it's a a bioweapon. And it's about transhumanism. And I even saw a picture this woman saved the newspaper from 2011 and the headline, it shows a picture of Bill Gates and the headline is depopulation through vaccines. And she's holding the paper up next to her. You can see, you can see her and you can see the paper, but she saved that paper for some reason. She had a feeling she should save it. 2011 depopulation through vaccines with a nice big picture of Bill Gates right there. That was his quote. Well, the devil's advocates have what they would say on the other side is like he's saying, which I again, I'm on your side on this. Um, but they're saying that he is saying that if people in Africa are worried about having babies survive, they tend to have more babies and um, because so many of them will die. So mm-hmm, if they get right? vaccinated, then they'll have fewer babies um, because they will have more confidence that they will live. Of course, I would argue anyway that uh, they need to stop experimenting on Africans. And minority populations, <laughs> yeah. One. But he and Jeff Bezos, between the two of them, they could actually help create infrastructure in Africa. You know, clean drinking water, renewable food sources. That's what they need. And a yes. Harvard study actually confirmed, even in our 1950s, that's what turned around our infectious disease deaths was hand washing and sanitation and antibiotics. And we could do the same thing in Africa. But they are selling products in Africa mm-hmm. and experimenting on the African population. They had a long history of experimenting on our black population here. And when they caught mm-hmm. wind of it, they finally started moving it more to Africa and to Central and South America. So, you know, I, the, the thought that people actually trust this, I, I, I just don't even understand. But that's where the whole depopulation could be argued on the other side, which I get that argument. It's just I've seen enough of the other stuff with Bill Gates being in charge of event 201 and in charge of Moderna Mm -hmm. 
he's too much money and too much you know money invested in, in the electronic passports with Microsoft and he has too much to gain by this in every other way for me to trust his mm-hmm. intentions. Mm-mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, more and more that as I'm looking into this and learning more, um, there really is a connection with EMFs and 5G and especially this graphene oxide. You know, all you have to do is is look it up. There's a connection there between uh, the graphene oxide in it and being able to, with the 5G rollout, being able to uh, have a, a Wi-Fi connection there. And right. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't want that. Right. Okay. So, you know, we were talking about the anger that, you know, that sometimes we feel uh, (laughs) about the situation. Right. And so again, I was so angry. Actually, I finally quit Facebook about a month and a half ago because no one could see my post anyway. They're being censored like left and right. But then I realized I was just spending my days getting angry. And I've had moments like that in the past where you just get all fired up and then you can move on. But I really lost it about a month and a half ago. So I've I've done a lot of um, meditation and prayer and um, exercises, uh, and trying to figure out, you know, where am I supposed to be in this? And of course, everyone's going to be different. Everyone has a different role in this. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not everyone's going to be as loud as we are about this <laughs> and not everyone It's okay. Um, for some people, it just might be standing their own ground for themselves. And we all have to find what our place is mm-hmm. in this society as we stand right now. Um, but I'm hoping that we can actually inspire people to be a little bit brave and know that sometimes things get really rough um, short term. And it turns out to be good in the long term. I actually just read a book. Um, this Matthew McConaughey wrote the book green light and it's mm-hmm. talking about it's, it's really fantastic. And if you can actually listen to the audio audio book, it is amazing. Cause it's, he, he reads it himself. Mm-hmm. He's the best storyteller. But yeah, it, he is. I actually, I did, I did get the audio. I listened to it. So yeah, I agree. I'm in agreement. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think about these moments right here. Um, and the fact that, you know, sometimes, Good things come out about really hard things. You look at the dark ages, it was followed by the Renaissance, mm-hmm. right? So, and they were pretty dark ages and it lasted a long time. Um, you look at the World War II, people were like really, their death was everywhere there and fear of death and total control. And um, and you look at the people that lived during that time and, and at least right now, we're not facing what they faced. You know, thank God and I hope it never gets to there. Um, right. it, even if it might be on a different kind of level in a different way. Um, but we like you think about the people there, some were snitches. They just followed in and they turned, they became killers. You know, they, they turned in Jewish people. And then there were other people who were just afraid to speak up and they just stayed quiet. And then there were some who hid Jews in their attics mm-hmm. walls and they were how brave they were. They were risking death for that. Yes. We're not, at least at this phase, we're not having to do that. Right. But how brave that was. And then how that created, at least for some time, some important information about experimentation and informed consent based on the experimentations by them. So it was something really horrible and atrocious. Good laws came out of it that are now being ignored, but mm-hmm. good laws came out of it. Good discussion came out of it. And heroes came out of that. And we were able to like, wow, this is how evil can happen in such a slippery slope. Then you look at the 60s. And you look at the people who were racist and they were harassing black people versus the people who were just kind of still staying quiet. They, they felt badly for the situation, but they were afraid of being called names. And then mm-hmm. there were people who stood by, you know, their black brothers and sisters and fought with them and they risked their lives 
and some died for it, right? Mm-hmm. So I always think, who who do I want to be in history? Now, preferably, I don't want to have to die for anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone wants to have to really die for it. But- True, but remember, everybody that I've I've read, I've read a lot of NDEs, and I'd actually I'm I'm looking for somebody, some people who have had NDEs to be on the podcast. None of them want to come back. <laughs> Yeah, they so, all want to keep going. <laughs> right. So we have to say, what is our role going to be here? Right. And so I had to think about my own sanity and process my own anger. Cause what we want to do again, we have to work in the frequency of love. Cause that's what actually spreads mm-hmm. the information. Like if I go to someone who doesn't want to hear it, they get mad and it does nothing. It just right. does nothing. It stresses me out, stresses them out. So we got to share this in love, but we're going to have to be a little bit brave and, and, you know, the next time we're going to talk about the flu shot, we, we didn't get around to the flu shot, <laughs> but I can't wait to tell my story about that because it's honestly going to be, it, it was an important lesson for me about the whole green light, red light thing that, uh, with M- Matthew McConaughey. Like I was really fighting and I'll tell more details next time because it's, it's a really good story, but I fought the whole vaccine mandate and short term I lost, although I was actually so miserable there. I was really hoping for a severance package, which I did get. Um, and I was very blessed to get, and I was able to work another job for a year to buy myself time to get myself. What am I going to be when I grow up? Right. And <laughs> practice out of it. Right. So mm-hmm. what some would see as a really terrifying situation, cause I, I kept, I volunteered to get the flu shot until it made me sick. And then when I fought it then, and I knew it's like, all right, I might be able to get a severance package over this. So I pushed it and I was able to change jobs. I made less money, but do you know what? I, I make a lot less money than what I did there. But you know, everything has still been taken care of. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able to pay all my bills. I have a great practice and wonderful patients that I feel fulfilled in. So what some could see as a red light at that point was my green light. It was my blessing. And so there's so many things that's happening in this society right now that really needs to be deconstructed. It needs to be brought down. Our, the medical system, the education system, the political system, everything is like a hot mess. And we're so polarized. And... But to, to tear things down, we have to undo it all to be able to build it back up. And that's scary. It's scary. It's super scary. But what we have is not sustainable. This right. this level of division in families, the families are like not letting other people come because they're not vaccinated. Well, if your vaccines work so well, then why aren't you not having faith in your vaccines? And like, <laughs> no, that's what I keep saying. Right? If your vaccine works so well, what do you care if I'm vaccinated or not? Exactly. <laughs> And so, but they're doing it, it's like, it has gone down to, they have managed to infect the family unit with fear and division. Mm -hmm. This is not sustainable for any modern society. It's not sustainable for um, a wise society. So we're going to have to figure out how to to disassemble this. And it's going to take some of us to say, get out of our comfort zones. Some of us are more used to being out of our comfort zone than other people. Mm but this is that this is that moment in history. This is that moment where people are going to be forced to cave in to an experimental vaccine, whether you believe it or not. No one should be forced or coerced or lose their livelihood over this. But this is what's going to happen. And it's purely out of fear, not out, because we need to review the data. The data does not support this. This is pure marketing, propaganda, fear based behaviors. So we have to undo it. And it's going to be our side that we're going to have to do it with love and we're going to have to do it with faith. And we're going to have to do it knowing that we might suffer short term, 
but something good can come out of this. And I believe, unfortunately, I believe that with the sheer volume of adverse reactions, part of the downfall is going to be the sheer danger of this vaccine because there's so many deaths, so many serious adverse reactions that are being reported, but even way more that I know of, all the ones I know have not even been reported. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know. I, I, on the telegram threads every day, it's just constant. Cammie, what what do you think is underneath all of this? I mean, I know people think, oh, my doctor wouldn't steer me wrong. The, you know, the CDC, who all these people, they they wouldn't they wouldn't say something was safe if it wasn't. What from your experience and who you are, what what's your hypothesis as to what is really you know, like if we chunk up to the higher level, what's underneath this? Why? That's a really good question for the last five minutes of the show. Um, <laughs> I, 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 there's so many levels. Like, there's clearly money, there's mm-hmm. greed, all that kind of stuff is the obvious. The government has been bought out by pharma, has been bought out by big ag, has been bought out by who knows what other nefarious people that are more powerful. I mean, Bill Gates tried to ask for his own sovereignty with the WHO. Like, so people like Bill Gates. All this money is circulating in greed, clearly. Because, again, it's not about saving lives. Because if it was about saving lives, we would be prescribing ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and vitamin and um, really encouraging integrative doctors or people on cutting edge to actually be innovative. We'd be encouraging it, not discouraging it. Mm-hmm. So everything was discouraged, really, unless it created a – that's why room desivir, even though it didn't work, it was celebrated because it's $3,000 for <laughs> – Prescription versus one hundred and fifty dollars for ivermectin, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the expensive version of ivermectin. You right. get it cheaper, yeah. right? So, um, so it's not about that. And when it comes to doctors, I, I, I kind of mentioned that earlier. I think doctors truly, I think the ones who I know believe in this truly believe in it, and they're in their heart they believe in it. But I think they, the the very ones that I've tried to show this data to, they get angry. They they refuse to look at it. Because I think they really know deep in their heart. If they start questioning this, they cannot, they're going to question other things. And the problem is once you go down one rabbit hole, you find a bunch of other rabbit holes. And this time, it's destructive to your, like I said, my income, I make a third of the income I used to make worth every penny lost, but Mm -hmm. not everyone's willing to lose that. Not everyone's willing to lose their comfortable position that they have. And they don't have to think about where they're going to work tomorrow. Because as long as they play the game, they get to work there. Doctors also don't want to be quacks. If, if you question things, you're a quack. You're a danger to society just by asking questions, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to be that doctor that gets harassed. They don't want to be the doctor who gets fired. Like what we're seeing online or those being censored on Facebook or on Instagram or on YouTube, they're being censored and and they're being threatened. So they don't want to be that doctor. It's a lot of work. And and I did that. I, I did the undoing of my own medical education and reinvesting in my own medical education on top of three kids as a single mom. Mm. So that's not easy. Yeah. It's not yeah. easy. And I think it boils down to that. It's, it's hard. It's, re- it's hard for all of us to have to face what we're really facing today. But I think it's time we're going to have to face the reality of what we've come into. Yes, and I agree. That is, that is a whole different world. It's a, it is a whole new normal, but I'm not willing to accept that as our permanent normal. And right. um, we're going to have to get together and, and we're going to have to bond together. We're going to have to find a fellow tribe. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to find those people who are willing to hear that there's there's other ways of living. And what we can't do on either side is live in fear. We cannot live in fear on either side. We have to live brave 
And if you happen to be that person who really wants that vaccine, then own it. You know, don't bully other people into it, but do it out of love. You know, but don't bully other people. Don't participate in coercion of other. But if you are on our side, then we have to figure out how to, and believe me, I've had to test myself, not be angry at those choosing the other options. You know, we have to share it with love. And if they don't want to hear it, then we have to accept the fact they don't want to hear the truth. You know, for whatever reason, they are on this journey until they get injured or someone they love gets injured until they learn the hard way. And we'll be there with open arms and loving them and say, we've been here the whole time, you know, and we have to do it with love. Wise words. Oh, thank you so much, Cami. So this is going to be part one, everybody. <laughs> part two will be next. And instead of doing my outtake, I think we'll just end there for now. And I'm going to stop the recording and Cami and I will set our next time and we will continue. Thank you so much, my dear. Really, I so honor who you are and appreciate who you are. Well, thank you for spreading the messages and um, being there to be the voice for people and having the, this modality to reach people. I try. <laughs> okay, take care. Thank Until you. next time. Bye.